Welcome to Invited In, a podcast connecting the global family of Samaritan's Purse. I hope you've been enjoying our adoption series. We're going to carry this into December as we talk to more families in the ministry. And today, we're going to talk about foster care and domestic adoption. There are over 500,000 children in U.S. foster care, and 100,000 of these kids are available for adoption. The need is especially great for older children and sibling groups. And I'm excited to talk to someone that did this very thing. Michelle Waters serves with Operation Christmas Child as a brand and production manager. Michelle has been with Samaritan's Purse for over eight years, and she's been a foster mom for the past four years. And I love hearing how God led her into motherhood. I've wanted to be a mom since I was a little girl. I remember when I was volunteering in nursery at my church when I was 11 and seeing um, a mom walk into the nursery and her baby just light up. Mm-hmm. And I that moment was kind of like, I can't wait Mm -hmm. one day. Um, And I am a single woman, so I never thought that I would have children or adopt or do foster care until I was married. And I actually didn't even know it was an option to be a foster parent or an adoptive parent as a single woman. Um, But a few years ago in 2016, my roommate had just gotten married and moved out, and my home was empty. And it was quiet, and I love the quiet. (laughs) And I am an introvert, and um, I usually enjoy that, but I felt like I had space. I had room, and not only that, but there was a part of my heart that I wasn't using yet. I have always felt called to mothering and taking care of others. And, um, yeah, there was just this space. There was just, like, this gap for a few months where I just— recognized that I wasn't using my home or my heart the way that I knew that I was supposed to. And not long after that, I was in a book club. We were reading a book, and the main character was uh, a girl who had aged out of foster care. And she lived in several different homes. And the one that the story focused on that had the biggest impact on her was a single mother. And when I read that, I, I paused. I was just like, wait, what? this is possible. You could be a single parent as a foster parent. And that planted the seed. Like that was what started it. I started looking into it and researching and I could feel in my spirit just a stirring, like, this is it. This is what I want for you. And I remember asking God, like, is this my future? Like, is this what you're calling me to? This is wild. Like, this is beyond what I was ever thinking about. Um, Spent several months, uh, about six months praying and researching and just continued to feel his assurance and his peace, like, this is what I want for you, Um, and was licensed in 2017. And um, within, I think, a day or two, I had my first placement. Um, I like two-year-old, sweet little boy, and became a mom. And it was beautiful, and it's been wild and wonderful, and... um, just the most incredible experience. Wow, so many things I want to pull into, but I, I just love, I love, I love the what you said. Not using my home and my heart, you know, up to God's potential, or you know, just feeling the stirring. And that's what I want people to do is just to listen and say, God, what do you have for me? Mm-hmm. Because not all of us that that's not all of our journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think often we're not doing enough. For the flight of the orphan and the vulnerable, mm. and I know one of my a social worker just gave me a statistic recently, and it, she didn't give the numbers of how many Christians are in the world, but you can, I guess, figure out the math. I'm not good at this, but she said if 
8% of Christians in the United States would adopt one child, we wouldn't have any more orphans. Mm. And that's, I mean, there's 160 million orphans in the mm. world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I forget what, I think it's like 500,000 in the United States yeah. right now, mm-hmm. 100,000 being adoptable. Um, I mean, it's just mind-blowing. And if just, you know, the amount of Christians w- would just consider and just yeah. start praying about it. And so I love the way that you did that. And yeah, you could have easily argued it out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not married. I don't, you know, there's so many things that um, you work full-time. You have, you know, a really impacting, kingdom-minded job, you know, that you're making an impact. So you could have said, I'm doing enough. Right. But God wouldn't let you stop. And I love how, you, I mean, and day two, you had a placement. And we've we've known some friends that fostered. And it is, there's such a need mm-hmm. that the minute you're, you're licensed, incredible. Can you even talk to me about how do you even go about doing it? I know classes are required. What yes. is the process when you even said, I'm willing? Yeah. There are several options for fostering. There are private agencies, and then you can work through your county's local DSS, Department of Social Services. Um, That's what I did. I contacted social services in my county and just said, hey, I'm interested. Um, I don't know what this looks like. Can you let me know? And they were very responsive. Um, There is a huge need in our area. And the way it worked out for for me, um, and I think most counties are like this, but every county is different and every state is different. Uh, but for my process, after I did the initial contact with social services, they sent me an application, just a preliminary form saying like who I am, my employment status, am I married, what's my house like, that kind of thing. And then from there, uh, we took a 10-week course. It was myself and um I think five or six other foster families, like potential foster families. And there was some homework and it was just really good training, learning about all the aspects of foster care and also adoption. And then after um, after training, there are certain quali- like certain things that you have to do to ready your home. Um, it's not, it wasn't extensive. It was more of like a checklist, like, is your home safe? Are there like is the railings correct on your outside of your porch? Do you have a room for where the child would stay? So I went through just that list um, and met with social services several times. I had a social worker assigned to me. And after that, I submitted the application and then I was licensed. It took about four to five months, I think, total. Um, sometimes it can be faster. I know right now with um, the situation of the pandemic that a lot of classes are now on Zoom, which is convenient for people. Um, and so that can look a little bit different, but it was in-person mm-hmm. Uh, training. Mm-hmm. Wow. Talk to me about what the Lord has revealed to you in the process of adoption and foster care, um, specifically to you. Mm, yes. The biggest change that the Lord has had on my heart through all of this, beyond parenting and learning to love children and become selfless, which is its own challenge, Mm -hmm. um, beyond that change, the biggest thing has been how I see people and specifically birth families. When children come into foster care, it's for one of three reasons, abuse, neglect, or abandoned. And... I think it's very, very easy for us to see birth families, specifically with foster care, as the enemy, the bad person. Like, how could you do this? Mm -hmm. How could you, like, look at that sweet child. How could you abandon them or neglect them or abuse them? Um, But we 
We live in a broken world, and we are all different. We all have different stories. Um, if I was in a situation where I lost my home or my job, mm -hmm. I would be supported. I have a strong support system in my community and my mm -hmm. family. Not everybody has that. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many different gray areas, so many different reasons why a child or is in foster care, why a family can't support or take care or provide a loving home. And for me, it has been really eye-opening um, to walk through the story of the children who have been placed in my home, to get to know their families, to understand why they're there. And the Lord has just uh, just completely broken my heart for them. Mm -hmm. um, it's frustrating. Sometimes it's really frustrating to hear why a child is in care, to hear about the abuse. Um, and, and there are certainly things where it's like, this is not okay. This was not okay that this was done. They are children of God, mm -hmm. even if um, they've been in hard situations and they're separated from their children. They're still loved and created by God. And I just, I have seen, um, yeah, I've just had a complete change of heart mm -hmm. in the way that I view them. And with my children, I'm loving them of course, I love them, but I'm also loving them on behalf of their parents. Mm -hmm. And there's not a day I don't think about them with mm -hmm. my two boys. I think about their parents every day when there are big milestones, when there are big moments, when there are small moments. I am completely reminded of the privilege it is and the honor it is to to be there, to experience that with them. And I'm doing it on behalf of their parents who aren't able to. And so, yeah, I just think God has just completely broken my heart for birth families through this entire process mm -hmm. and really mm -hmm. laid it on my heart to, to pray for them, to advocate for them, to find ways to support, um, if that's through prayer or uh, just by supporting their children. There are just, you know, there are different ways that I can um, step, help step into that gap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I feel like, um, I mean, we adopted internationally, you know, but our son's family was not involved. You know, we don't know them. Mm -hmm. We never will. Um, but yet, you're right. I still ache for them every day, thinking, uh, surely they think of him. I don't yeah. know, but I tell him, you know, I'm sure mm -hmm. that they wonder, you know, where is he on his right. fifth birthday or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And same thing. I think God has broken my heart and given compassion, but I think foster care— Yes, you're ministering to the child. I mean, whoever is placed in your home, you are to the love them with all that you can, mm -hmm. and you don't know how long it'll be. Mm -hmm. But your ministry is also to their family, because like you said, their family is usually involved. From what I know, reunification is always the goal, you know, and so there's always this looming thought of when they go home. So what is that like, and what has God—how um, has He given you strength to love the families? Because you are—you're you're ministering to them just as much as you are to the child. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's an honor and a privilege, but it's hard. Because mm -hmm. I, I know you've—and you hear all the time, you know, people come into our life for a season, a reason, mm -hmm. or a lifetime. And I'm sure, as a foster mom, you know, that— is blaring at you every day. How long is this going to be? How long do I have? So how has the Lord sustained you? Um, because I'm sure many kids have come and go, um, mm -hmm. and you think about them all the time. So what maybe 
relationships have come about with families or, or, yeah, what has he taught you in some of those short seasons of someone's life? Yeah, there's definitely a tension. Hmm. In, in foster care, there's a tension in adoption, the unknown of what the next day is going to be. None of us know what mm-hmm. tomorrow looks like. And I am a logistics person. I like to plan things out. And that is another way God has challenged me is like, I don't really have a lot of control. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically in foster care, as the foster parent, I can I care for the child. I love for the child. I can advocate for the child. But ultimately, the decision is out, outside of my hands. And you're right. It's some placements are temporary. Some have become long-term. Um, and there are opportunities in meetings with the families, um, court hearings, where you can, as a foster parent, interact with the family members um, if it's safe. And I, not all of my placements, that's been an option, but in some of them it has. And um, there's definitely the the tension of wanting to protect and keep the child safe, wanting to protect and keep me safe, um, but also there's the humanity aspect of this is a person and I have this great opportunity to speak life into them. I'm not their enemy. I'm not against them. Like we're in this together. We want to do what's best for the child. Um, so there have definitely been a lot of situations where I've been able to to speak into the life of one of the birth families and and beyond um, extended families as well. And that's why you are. You are a missionary, you know, first, you know, in your home, but then in every interaction you get. I mean, they might be—you might be the only Jesus that they see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something God strips you of a lot, you know. Like you said, control. And, and as you were talking, I just finished reading Genesis. And so Joseph's story, you know, just where he had no control. And he was thrown into prison. He was wrongly accused. You know, mm-hmm. so many things that— he couldn't control, but it said time and time again, God was with him. God mm-hmm. was with him, you know, mm-hmm. and he honored God in all that he did. You know, wherever he was, he did the best. He was the best prisoner, you know, and he, God's favor and hand was on him, but his, it didn't mean his circumstances were easy. And I'm sure in your journey and your years of um, essentially being a missionary in your community, I and mean, that's what you are, you are uh, opening your home and your heart. Um, and not knowing um, how long it would be. So what has God taught you? Because I think, yeah, and I love Joseph at the end of it when he says to his brothers, you know, what God or man meant for evil, God used Mm. for good, you know, and for the benefit of the Egyptians and the people, um, you know, was so much more beyond him. He was able to see the bigger picture. And I think that's what we have to do as Christians with, with all things. We have to hold it loosely and look for eternity. You know, this is in the eternity, what matters? Because I think the small, trivial things um, are fleeting. So how has God, I guess, are there certain passages of Scripture, or is it just new every morning? Like, what has God taught you in this season? Because you probably were brought to situations that were beyond your control, and Mm -hmm. you really, like you said, you you had no control. I mean, you were at the mercy of the parents, the court system. I mean, there were so many variables. And so what would God teach you in that? Were there certain scriptures um, or anything that you can share to people that maybe are in that season or afraid to enter that season? What would you say to people? Sure. Every day, 
it's not me. I'm depending on him. Just completely like remembering constantly, like I'm in the palm of his hand. He goes before me. He is with me. He is behind me. He hems me in. Um, just relying on his grace and his mercy every single day, knowing that even though I don't know what's ahead of us, I don't know how to navigate a certain situation or how to move forward with the trauma that my children have experienced, how to help them work through their own trauma. God knows. He knows their future, and He knows where we are, and He will sustain us. Um, even if I don't know the answers anytime soon, I, I constantly reminded that I can trust Him. And it's so easy to say that. It's another thing to live that out. Mm -hmm. But I think spending time in the Word and prayer has been the biggest thing for me in order to stay anchored to that truth. Um, my favorite passage of Scripture for the last decade has been John 15. Mm -hmm. um, I want to read it, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. That'd be great. This passage has been... It has been my anchor. It's been challenging and comforting. It's beautiful. It's convicting. And um, it, it's a passage I read every day. And um, I definitely talk about it with my boys as well. And um, So John 15, 1 through 12. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Whew, that one. Mm -hmm. mm, it's just such a constant reminder of his goodness and how he sustains us. Uh, verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in me, and, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you may bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Abide, abide, abide. It's, I love hearing it read out loud, because when I read it to myself, it doesn't stick out as much. But mm. that abiding, you know, mm. remaining, some versions say, I do love that passage, and it's a good idea to read it every day, because— Especially as parents, I think our kids are a pruning process, you know, and it's yes. sometimes painful and um, and it's not always fun that refining. But mm. that's where growth happens. You know, we all mm -hmm. want we all want growth and we all want to be close to the Lord and have these lives that honor Him. But that comes with a cost. You know, mm -hmm. it comes with taking steps and sometimes painful steps and. Um, yeah, I think as with parenting, there's so much chaos. There's mm -hmm. so much going on, especially as a single parent. It's me, and my kids are like little tornadoes, and they're wonderful and cute and sweet, but mm -hmm. it is so easy to think that 
I can do this in my own strength, Mm -hmm. or to forget that I can't, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, that I need to rely on the Lord. And especially in the chaos of the day, um, I oftentimes find myself just getting through and forgetting that He is so good and so merciful, and He can give me the strength. He can give me the the vision of what needs to be done for my family and and help me set boundaries and and navigate the tension of motherhood motherhood and working and uh, volunteering and being a part of the community and and just mm-hmm. all the things of life. Um, and so that that is definitely one of the reasons why I, I keep coming back to that passage is just a reminder that we are called to abide in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And fruit will come from that. His goodness, His love will come from that. Mm-hmm. So can you talk to me about being a single mom? Um, because I think you are uh, just a warrior. And um, <laughs> amazing because, I mean, yes, there are days when even Edward's here and we can't do it together. You know, I have to yeah. have a babysitter or have some help. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just hard with a with a spouse. But by yourself, yeah, what has the Lord taught you? And you mentioned community. Mm. And that's something I also want to bring awareness in in this month, this, you know, adoption month, is that people that are called to adopt, I mean, they need help. We, it yes. takes a village. You know, mm-hmm. we are not meant to do it alone. Correct. So maybe what has the Lord even taught you? And I don't know if asking for help is hard for you, but I, I think it's, it's hard for most people, you know, yeah. um, but it's so important because mm-hmm. when you ask for help, it empowers other people to ask for help. And I think it just is a good thing for for everyone involved. But what has the Lord showed you in your lack? And yeah, mm-hmm. how do you do it on a day-to-day basis? Right. I sometimes joke surviving, not thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, single parenting has been an adventure. I I've learned— Probably the hardest part at the very beginning was learning how to be selfless. Mm. I thought being called to be a mother, like knowing that I love children and I love taking care of others, I thought it would just be easy and natural. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I really am laying down my life every day Mm -hmm. for my kids. I'm making decisions that are for their betterment. And of course, I need to take care of myself, but um, so much of my energy goes into caring for them. And that was a a really hard lesson to learn at the beginning. Um, but it's been beautiful. I've learned how to I've learned how to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. I can't do it all. Mm-hmm. I can't do everything. Um, we're not made to do it all, Mm-mm. certainly. And so just learning what is uh, what's important. Um, what are things that can be set aside for now? Uh, there's a quote I read, and I, I'm sure I, I'm not going to repeat it correctly, but um, a mother, a working mother said, every day you're juggling glass and plastic balls. And there might be 50 mm-hmm. that you're tossing up in the air. And you need to know which ones can drop and bounce. Mm-hmm. Which ones are the plastic ones and which mm-hmm. ones are the glass ones that if you drop it, this is actually a really big thing in my chatter. Mm-hmm. And so I, I keep that in my mm-hmm. head a lot of like, okay, today, what can we do? And what are the things we're just not going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, Um with fostering specifically, and with parenting, of course, you're right. Community is so important, and that's been a really beautiful aspect of my journey. is is seeing my my friends, my coworkers, my church surround me with support up here, and my family. They're they're a couple hours away, so they're not close. And I was concerned when I first started fostering, thinking, 
how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. Like, I need my mom. I need mm-hmm. my dad. Mm-hmm. And they are a huge support to me and to the boys. And um, yeah, they have been super great. And it's also really incredible how this community I have here has supported our family, has dropped off meals, has prayed for us, offered um, leftover toys or clothing that their own children have outgrown. Um, There's just been so many opportunities for them to come alongside us. And I, up until the last four years, never liked asking for help. I wanted to help others. Mm -hmm. And I can do this, you know. I I can handle things, but definitely learned pretty pretty quickly. Like this is this is something that others want to help me with and um and I need support. And so that's been really beautiful to see my community come around us and to support us and and walk with us mm-hmm. in all the challenges. Um there was a, a time last year where one of my foster children um was just a few weeks old and had pneumonia and RSV, and we were in the hospital for two weeks. And so that was a really beautiful example of the community here coming and stepping up and helping me with my other child because I couldn't leave. I needed to stay with the baby. Um, and yeah, what an incredible example of being the hands and feet of Christ, of supporting us when we needed it. And there are so many opportunities. One of them is respite care. Um, for children who are in foster care, there's a there's a certain time limit where they if they if a family is out of town and they need um, child care for their child, their foster child, they have to be with a licensed foster parent. Um, a couple hours or overnight, a family friend can babysit, but if it's an extended period of time, they need to have a licensed parent. And so respite is an opportunity that if you're interested in foster care, but you don't necessarily want or have the ability to do a long-term placement, you can provide um, care for a child for an hour, for a weekend, a week, whatever is needed. Sometimes foster families, they travel outside of state for vacation and they can't take the child with them, or um, they just need a break, just a weekend you know, just to reset with their family or whatever need there is. And so respite is a really great opportunity to come alongside those foster families. Mm-hmm. Some other ways to support foster families um, is with prayer. Number one, mm-hmm. huge thing. Um, checking in with foster families saying, how can I pray for you specifically? What's going on this week? Do you have a court visit coming up? You know, we we can't, as foster parents, we can't tell the details mm-hmm. of our case, but we do need prayer. Um, and sometimes it's hard to ask for that, mm-hmm. and an incredible way to do that. Another way is providing meals mm-hmm. um, when placements are coming, or even just, hey, I'm thinking about you guys. I'm going to bring a meal over on Friday. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Or um, when a, a family has a new placement, bringing diapers or formula or clothing. Um, a lot of times when children are in care, they come to you with nothing or very little, and um, that's one way my community has supported me with, with my boys bringing clothes. And, and it's just been really sweet and special. Um, guardian ad litem is a volunteer position. It's a child advocate um, in the community. So when a child is placed in care, 
the child advocate is assigned to that child from the court. And this is a really incredible opportunity to speak on behalf of the child. They are an unbiased advocate, so they are not speaking on behalf of the foster family or the birth family. They're just speaking on behalf on behalf of the child. And um, there, I have a several friends who are in that role now, um, and it's a really incredible and important role. It has definitely been a huge factor in the cases of several of the children that have been in my care. Mm-hmm. And it's a way to be involved, but you don't necessarily have to. It's not an everyday thing. It's um, it's more it has more flexibility with time. Was that called guardian advocate? Guardian ad litem. Ad litem. That's neat. I've never heard of that. Yep. It's that's um, really cool. Well, that's good, and that's why I just want to bring awareness. I think everybody thinks adoption is the only way, you know, or foster care, mm-hmm. but there are so many ways, and I think that is the epitome of the body of Christ. You mm-hmm. know, there's the eye, the ear, the you know, they're all important and necessary. But I think sometimes we just aren't utilizing. Yeah. Um, or, or like you said, or most of the time, it's because we just don't know. We yeah. don't know there's a need. I mean, if right. someone showed up at your door and said, I need this, you'd say, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and so that's what I'm trying to do is just, yeah, kind of, and I think, so just perking your eyes, tuning your heart, mm-hmm. you know, incline my heart towards you, Lord, show me what you want me to do. And um, I think there could be um, so much, so much more could be done if people just knew of the need. Right. Um, people want to help. Mm-hmm. One thing I've learned is asking for help. It's not it's not placing a burden on someone else. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we feel internally. Mm-hmm. Like if I ask for help, it's it's going to be hard on them. I don't want to inconvenience them. But I think we all, as believers, we want to help each other out, mm-hmm. and we want to love and support each other. And we are providing someone an opportunity for them to use their giftings mm-hmm. and for them to love on us. Mm-hmm. And that has been a challenge to learn. That's been a hard lesson, but also uh, an opportunity that I've had to see others um, get involved in fostering mm-hmm. and in supporting us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I remember one time Edward was deployed, and I think I just had my third and was just drowning. And a friend was like, please let me help you. Don't rob me of the opportunity. Because she, a couple years ago, had had twins, Mm. totally needed help. But now she was in a season where she could give back and she wanted to. And she's like, don't rob me of this opportunity. And I'm like, thank you. Like, But I needed someone to do that, you know, to say that. Mm -hmm. Because it is, you are essentially robbing them of an opportunity to help. And and one day I'll be able to help again, but not now, you know, and, right. and that's something good to remember too. Like we're all, we all have seasons, right? And sometimes things are forced upon us, you know, a child that's sick with cancer or, you know, just sometimes mm-hmm. it's thrown on us, but mm-hmm. then sometimes it's a choice, you know, it came out of a, an accident or something, but whatever you're brought to, it's a season, you know, and yeah. one day you'll be able to give it back. And so just to know and I, and to even search the Lord, what season am I in? You know, mm-hmm. am I in a season mm-hmm. where I do need help and that's okay? Am I in a season where I can give help? I don't, I don't, you know, so just to search yourself and it, it'll ebb and flow, but to not get stagnant. I think that's the biggest thing is like to always be stretching yourself mm-hmm. and um, searching. That's just what I want to say is... I don't even know the domestic process. So mm-hmm. what what does foster care look like uh, from a logistics standpoint? You know, what is required? Are there a lot of fees? Because I think that's something that stops people from adopting is I can't afford that. Right. Because um, it is. It's really expensive. Yeah. 
Yeah, so actually adopting through foster care is virtually free um, because the children are in foster care, which is a state and national run mm-hmm. entity. Um, there are legal fees for the process, but those are mostly handled by the state. And there are um, over 400,000 children in foster care right now, and 160,000 of those are available for adoption. Um, and what that means is that the parental rights of those children have um, have been removed. And so they're waiting for a home. Maybe they're already in a home that is going to be adopting them soon, or maybe they're they're waiting for a family. And when you adopt a child from foster care, you don't have to be a licensed foster parent. Anyone can. Hmm. And a really great resource is adoptuskids.org. Mm-hmm. Tells you all the information about um, the process of fostering, the process of adopting, and it even breaks it down by state. And it shows you, um, yeah, just the steps that you can take and the different resources that are available to you as a potential foster parent, potential adoptive parent, and then also afterwards, post-adoption services. I'm sure there's many, but could you even share some of the unexpected joys and the the, the treasures that God has given you that you would have missed if you didn't mm. say yes to this journey? Yeah. I think it's my boys. Just getting to walk every day with them, um, seeing them learn, seeing them overcome obstacles, overcome their own trauma, um, seeing them break. They're part of breaking generational cycles, and that is so beautiful, so incredibly beautiful. And and why while it it has been it has been really hard. Um, Parenting, parenting during a pandemic, parenting through court and through all the unknowns. It, those those two boys mm-hmm. have been uh, a constant source of joy, and I just I love being their mom. I love um, I'm so honored to be their mother and and to walk this life with them and to advocate for them and. Um, to hold their story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an incredible, incredible honor. Another unexpected uh, joy has been to see other foster families and other guardian ad litem volunteers come from my community, from my group. Mm-hmm. Um, by supporting us, God has used that as a way to stir their own hearts. And I don't, e- I don't even know how many foster families have started after me um, or, or friends that are guardian items. But that has just been so beautiful to just watch God work through our lives. And, and I'm a mess. You know, I'm not—I'm not—I'm uh, I'm human. And I'm a disaster sometimes, and it's not easy. And my friends know that, and my family knows that. They've seen how hard this is. But God has used it to stir their hearts, and it's just been so incredible to see other foster families get licensed and to start their own journeys and have adoptions and and friends volunteering as guardian ad litems and walking other foster kids through that process um, has just been really beautiful. Mm-hmm. I just love watching God move. Mm-hmm. And 
sitting back and and then this is not me. This is not through me. This is all him. If it was me, I wouldn't be doing it because it's really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I would want to take an easier path, but he's brought me here and he's using me and and I yeah, it's been it's been an incredible um incredible joy for me to see him work through me and through my community and through my people. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was truly an honor and a pleasure to talk to Michelle. And I was especially convicted and challenged by the way her journey started and how she just said, I wasn't using my home and my heart in the way it was supposed to. And I just think it's good for all of us to consider as Christians. Are we using our home, our time, our resources, and our heart for God's kingdom? I hope this conversation encouraged you and challenged you to pray, serve, and support foster families and children in some way. 30,000 children will age out every year in the U.S. foster care. And the life expectancy for these teenagers that are aging out is averaged at seven years if they're not connected to community or support system. And so church engagement and advocacy is so critical for these children to thrive as they leave the U.S. foster care. And so be praying for these kids and maybe look for ways that you can engage with them in our community. As we enter the month of December and we celebrate the greatest birth and adoption the world has ever known, which is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, I just want to read the lineage, the the latter part of Matthew 1, verse 15, that says, Iliad was the father of Eleazar, Eleazar the father of Mathen, Mathen the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, by whom Jesus was born, who is called the Messiah. So all the generations from Abraham to David are 14 generations. From David to the deportation of Babylon, 14 generations. And the deportation to Babylon to the Messiah, 14 generations. And so I love the way that Jesus being in David's lineage comes from Joseph. And it required his obedience and trust in God to do as he was commanded. And I love verse 24 that says that after the angel of the Lord appeared to him, telling him that Mary would bear a son conceived by the Holy Spirit, and he would be named Jesus, and he would save his people from the sin. It says, Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Jesus is who we celebrate this season. Jesus is who we we recognize and, and acknowledge, but there's so much that we can learn from the people that lived and walked with him as he lived on earth. And so I encourage you to to watch these people, their obedience, their worship, their praise, their pondering. There's so many actions that they did that we can take place over this season. And so thanks again for joining us as we bring awareness to adoption, both in the U.S. and around the world. Um, You know, I was just reminded that we are adopted into Jesus' family. And so as we celebrate His birth, we can remember His death and resurrection and how He allows us to be adopted into God's family. And so I want to close celebrating this season, reading Ephesians 1, 4 through 5, that says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that He would be holy and blameless before God, in love He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind intention of His will. Thanks again for tuning in, and may God bless you. you.